All right, welcome to Creating a Life by Design podcast. I am Noah Elias, and uh, this episode is a massive treat. Why? Because one of my dear friends, Martha Blanding, is here, and uh, I cannot wait for you to hear our history, her stories, and uh, we're just going to have a great time hanging out. But there's a lot that you're going to learn. Um, she has an incredible bio with her history with working for the Walt Disney Company. Uh, her and I came together uh, working on a lot of special events. We're going to unpack some really great memories. And um, there's going to be some strategies in here that you're going to be able to use in your own career and in your own life and your approach to life. So this is all about helping you gain those strategies that are going to help you live more on purpose and with more intent. So um, I consider Martha not only a dear friend, but when we've been doing life together for 18 years, you learn a lot. So I got a lot of master classes from Martha, but I thought what an appropriate time that we can finally come together and we, you can hear from her directly and we can have a great time on the show. So I just want to say welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Glad that you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, quick question for you. I just want to start with the, kind of the beginnings so that everybody can see how it all started for you. Because I know I know it, but I'd love for you to kind of just tell the listeners and the viewers kind of where things started for you with the company. But even before that, were, were you anywhere before Disney and kind of like how did that all that evolve? Wow. I started it. Well, first of all, I, there are a lot of people that they dream to work at Disneyland. And it wasn't one of my dreams, mm. but it wasn't a bad thing that I that yeah. I arrived there. Yeah, it was good, I think, on both sides. Uh -huh. But it wasn't one of my dreams to work at Disneyland. Mm. So I'm from South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in Watts in the Compton area. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to elementary, junior high school, and high school in that area. Awesome. I'm a graduate of Fremont High. Yay, Pathfinders. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. And, um, and then I went to LACC, junior college, for a year. And then I came out here to Cal State Fullerton. Mm. And I went to Cal State Fullerton. Okay. And it was while I was in Cal, at Cal State Fullerton that I reached out and for a job at Disneyland. How old were you? I was... In my tw early twenties, and your first job was um, a tour guide. I, I was a, I was a tour guide, and um, at that time that I applied for the job, I was the only black tour guide that they mm -hmm. had, and it seemed like they had a black tour guide every year. So there were three others before me. Uh -huh. None of us worked together. Wow. We were all by ourselves when we worked as tour guides. Okay. But um, I became a tour guide and it was, you know, when you start, you start as a casual employee. You're not permanent. Mm. But I am the first black tour guide to become permanent. And wow. so there are a lot of people who say that I was the first black tour guide. But I'm not because, yeah, I can't take anything away from the three before me. There you go. Okay. There you go. So, but I was the first to become permanent. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you jump around in the company? Where, where did things happen for you in terms of? I was a tour guide for four years. And the neat thing about being a tour guide is that um, when we had like our off season, that winter, fall time yeah. of the year, uh -huh. um, when they needed help in other divisions, they would send the tour guides out 
to help in marketing. Oh, cool. And publicity. Yeah. You know, in other areas to do things, filing, writing, or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I was exposed to a lot of different areas, which is great for me, yeah. you know, oh, that, sure. that, that word networking, mm-hmm. which at that time they didn't use that word networking, but mm-hmm. that's exactly what yeah. I was doing, not yeah. realizing that was totally. what I was doing, you know. Let's, I mean, so <clears throat> as we hear your story, I think that there's some great nuggets that we can pick up on is this whole idea, like you were just saying, like with networking, right? Back then, there's no social media. There's no, no there's no email, no. text message. Shoot, it was TV, newspaper, but you're not doing life with people through those, through those, uh, that technology. Talk to me about the art of relationship and um, people can have authority in a, in a corporate culture, but it's really about influence and not influence to lord influence over a person, but just influence by attraction of saying, dude, I want to work with these folks. They get things done. There's momentum, right? Like you want to work and get wrapped up with them and it's all who you know. And, you, and we'll talk about integrity and reputation later on, but a part of that networking, talk to me about kind of what you were starting to learn, how important that was and how important it is now looking back. I think, you know what, the thing about, for me, about working and connecting with people and doing a good job, first of all, my parents, my mother, she was the type of woman who we were not financially rich. Mm. Um, We didn't have money. Yeah. But we had a lot of love in our family and a lot of network was done in our family, within our family. And she would expose us to different things. Like she was a community woman. She worked in the community. She was PTA president of every school I attended. Mm. Okay. And she had four kids. I'm a twin. Oh, I have wow. a twin yeah, sister yeah. and I had two brothers. So it was four of us. Uh-huh. And so she was taking care of her family, her kids, but she was taking care of other kids also. But she, we worked in the community with her. We worked with the mayor. We worked with the police department. Uh, we worked yeah. with a lot of people. So she exposed us to a lot of things, mm. okay? So because of that, which we re- my sister and I were talking about it, and we realized later on that the reason why I do the things that I do, I act the way I do, is because of that. Mm. It was training for me. Yeah. To where I am mm-hmm. now and where I was before I retired, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So communication is so important, and how you treat people, mm-hmm. the respect for people, mm-hmm. is very important. And there are some battles that you don't, you just let them go, okay. And sometimes to win a battle, being quiet is the best thing that you can do, and you don't realize it. Mm. There are others that you need to speak and you speak mm-hmm. and you talk about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that worked so well for me and I continued it through my career yeah. at Disney. Yeah. I, I, I did it as a tour guide and mm-hmm. as a tour guide, I learned even more. And as a tour guide, I learned how to handle people because I would go on these regular tours. Mm-hmm. Then we had what we called VIP tours where you're taking around celebrities and dignitaries. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to treat people yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. And you have people like movie stars. I had Cary Grant, Rock Hudson, Cher, Elton John, Olivia Newton-John. I had a number of celebrities mm-hmm. that you had to learn how to act with them. Totally, okay? totally. And then you have your Russian dignitaries that I had. Japanese dignitaries, 
that I had on tour. You had to learn how to handle all of that. Mm -hmm. So I, that helped me mm -hmm. with what I did before I retired. And I said that because when I left guest relations, then I became manager of Main Street. And that was one of the, one of the excuse me, one of the supervisors, because they were called supervisors at that time, in the Emporium. And then wow. um, I went into the buying office and became a buyer. So I was the candy buyer for nine years. Is that where you met Linda? Le I met Linda. Later? No. I met Linda as a tour guide because her husband, Terry, I met him first. No way. And he was in custodial. And so Terry would come and talk to us all the time. And he was like our pet. We loved Terry. Okay? <laughs> I love it. And we were very protective of Terry. Yes. So we found out that Terry had a girlfriend. Uh-oh. And we were like, we got to check the sister out. I mean, mm -hmm. who is this woman? Okay. Uh -huh. So we found out where she worked. And so a group oh, of us. Oh, I feel bad for her. A group of us went over to go check her out. And she, later on, I found out she knew what we were doing, but she didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. But we checked her out and it's like, mm -hmm, okay. But we became friends. There we go. And so uh, we were friends when we were hourly cast members. Yes. And then we kind of went our separate ways. Yeah. She went to Tokyo to work for a while, mm -hmm. and I went in management yep. in the buy-in office. Mm -hmm. And then she came back, and she ended up in the merchandise office. Amazing. And so we connected back again. Unbelievable. And, and, and we've been friends ever since. Her sons, she has twin boys, and they're like my godsons. I love it. Matt and Chris. Yeah. So tell us about like where things grew to where the position that you retired from. I mean, it's such an unbelievable, awesome position. I, You know how they say you... You never know who's watching you. Be, like I said before, be careful what you do. Mm -hmm. You can't fight all the battles. Some mm -hmm. of them you have to let go. So um, we went through a period where they did layoffs and stuff and everything. Mm -hmm. And I had gone to an area from the buying office. I was the first, I was the last to go into this particular area. Mm -hmm. So I was the first to be let go. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me an opportunity to look in before they really let me go to look in other areas to see where I wanted to go, where I wanted to land and okay. work. And so um, I went to my director and I told him, I said, I understand you guys are starting a special events area. He said, yeah, we are, Martha. And I said, I think I'll do good in that area. I want to try. I knew nothing about special events. You wrote, you wrote the book. I know, but I <laughs> literally wrote the book. <laughs> I knew nothing. It was just all of what I thought in my gut that should be done and how we do it. I did report to someone, but uh, eventually she went away and I became the manager of special events. Mm. My favorite category to buy for was candy. And that was my favorite. I love buying candy. My office and my house looked like a candy palace during the holidays. Mm -hmm. Okay. They would just send and everybody let's go to Martha let's go to Martha's house totally they didn't go to see me they came to eat the food uh -huh. okay which was uh -huh. fine you know uh -huh. but I love special events yep. that was my niche there you go I loved it and I love the good part of it I love the bad part of it I love the hard work I love the easy part of it I loved everything about it mm -hmm. and that makes a difference it makes a huge difference that you love what you do it was like a hobby that hobby that I like to do. And and after a while, even my family would say, you're working too hard. No, I'm having fun. I'm having a good totally. time. Yep. I enjoyed it. 
So I started out as the manager of merchandise special events after the person that before me, the other manager was let go. Mm -hmm. And then I became the manager. But the way I got it is that RSVP, Joan Ryan, we were at the Disneyana convention in Florida and she watched me handle guests. She knew that there was going to be a layoff. She knew that I was in special events mm -hmm. and they were deciding on what to do with me next. Mm. But she watched how I handled a so really That's why you handle yourself. Bad. It was kind of a bad guest problem and she liked what I did. So when she came back, she told the merchandise manager, "I want Martha in special events. I want her to be the manager of special events." And so when they gave me the job, they told me what Joan said. And I had the opportunity to tell her thank you and to tell her how much I appreciated it. Where, oh, that's amazing. And where in this, this point of your career, how old were you starting out in uh, tour guide, then going to manager special events? Were you, was that halfway through your career or how, how far in? I was at Disneyland for 50 years. So no, it wasn't halfway through my career. Yeah, yeah. It was early it on. It was early on. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. Talk about a little bit of, it's always easy to talk about the highlight reel. But you've had to overcome, you know, there's every organization, doesn't matter if it's Disney or anybody, the world goes through transition, reorganization, you name it, new look, new vibe, new everything. Is there anything that you could share with us in terms of what I call the underbelly, like you talked about the good, the bad, the ugly of, of maybe a story or even a season of having to overcome and really just kind of look within yourself and go, Hey, it'd be really easy to be responsive or reactive, but I'm going to, like you said, battles that you're going to fight. And sometimes that you're, that's yourself. Well, okay. The thing that you have to understand is that when I first started working at Disneyland, the park was 16 years old. There were not a lot of black employees there during that time. Wow. Yeah. That's a great and point. And there are not, I was the first black female in management when I became a manager. Okay. Mm. And so the, I, and I say this kiddingly, but it's the truth. At that time, if I wanted to see another black person, I'd go in the bathroom and look in the mirror because there wasn't a lot of us there. Yeah. And so the challenge was, is that when I went to meetings, I was the only one. There was nobody else. Okay. Wow. When I went to, when, in our merchandise division for Disneyland, I was the only black person in that division at Disneyland until Bill Davis was one of our merchandise managers. Yeah. He was in Florida helping them open up Florida. In 19, and I started in 1971, so he was there. Mm -hmm. He came in, he came over later on, and he came to the merchandise office. So then it was Bill and I both, but he was much higher than mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. So it was the two of us. But the other thing, being the only black and a female, you, a lot of times they would try to talk over you, not to hear your voice. It's like, I'm not having this. So I'm not a yeller. I've never been, I don't yell at people. The other thing is, is that you have to respect people. Mm -hmm. I don't care who they are. Mm -hmm. Even somebody that's done something wrong, you have to respect them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a yeller, but I'm one of those firm. When I say something that's, mm -hmm. I'm very firm mm -hmm. in when I talk, but you probably know about that. <laughs> I've been in that room before. <laughs> You're okay. So it was like I had to project. I had to speak up. I had to reach out. Mm -hmm. I had to let them know 
I'm here and I'm going to be heard. Not me and me, but I'm going to be heard. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they would, okay. She, she's not sitting over there sleeping. Totally. No, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. We could, let's talk. Oh, for sure. So then we would talk. So you have to, it's the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to present yourself in a negative way. Right. For me, being black, being a female, I had to be, do three times better than that white girl sitting next to me because I'm black. Mm. Okay. And that was one of the challenges that we have. And, the, and it's a challenge that we still have when we do things. Mm -hmm. It's gotten a little better because of everything that's been going on, but we still have that challenge. Sure. I have never been afraid of anybody where I am. Why? I've witnessed that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> but why? Because I'm an adult and so are you. You're sure. an adult too. I'm a human being and so are you, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. We may not put our pants on the same way because I'm a female and you're a male, yeah. but totally. don't disrespect each other, okay? Mm -hmm. Because every, the other parts of it will fall into place. Yeah. And so, and then it wasn't that I demanded, but that's what I project. I projected that, mm -hmm. that we give each other respect. So yep. you did. Mm -hmm. But when you didn't, then we had a little talk. Yep. And then I have this reputation of these eyes that I, mm -hmm. <laughs> expression, yeah, and the finger. <laughs> Not the that finger, finger. this yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah, that finger, that's correct. <laughs> that finger, yeah. You know, and it's mm -hmm. like, did she give you the look? I said, yes, she did. Yep. Then you need to. You can see that from across of a convention center. It's yeah, like, yeah. start jumping over things and get over there as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. people ask, why are you go, why are you leaving? It's like, uh, Martha. They're like, oh yeah, we get it. <laughs> we get it. But, but you know what? I didn't have my celebrities and my artists that I dealt with. Mm -hmm. They were special and I wanted them to feel special. I felt you're in my home. So I want you to feel special. Plus, I want you to come back. For sure. And... And I don't mean to sound like a big headed, but every last one of my artists and celebrities that did something for me, when I asked them to do something, they always said yes. Mm -hmm. I never had any of them mm -hmm. to say, I can't do it, Martha. Mm -hmm. If it was, I can't do it, they would say, Martha, let me see if I can move my schedule around totally. so that I can make an appearance here for totally. you. But I will do whatever you ask me to do. And you know what? I felt honored. And it also showed how I treated them. That's how, and my cast members that worked with me, mm -hmm. I, had, I did them the same way. And yeah. I would tell them, I'm your leader. So if you have issues with a guest, I don't want you to take care of it. I don't want you to be abused physically or verbally. Just tell them, excuse me, let me go get Martha. Let me go get my yeah. boss. And I said, and I'll come and take care of it. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. Yep. That made them want to stay with me and not want to leave, you know? Mm -hmm. And it made me want to keep them also. I wanted them around me. I wanted to be with them. I wanted them to do things with me. And they did. Well, you know, I know, but let's And see, the thing is about this conversation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So here's a, here's a, here's, that segues into something kind of funny. Do you remember when we met? Do you remember even when we started working? together it's been a long time i know and well i think you tried it 2005 2006 uh dca opens first event is off the page right and um 
What'd you do? Well, I was scared to death. Because then when I, it's one thing to get the merchandise set up and everything set up and all that kind of stuff, right? But then it's another thing to meet like, oh, once that part is done, then there's a special events team. I'm like, what are you talking about? I thought I'd just deal with like a product developer and we go do a show. And they're like, oh no, there's, you need to talk to a special events team. Contracts on that, appearance, all of this stuff, right? That's when I met Martha. And it wasn't just Martha. It was Martha and her team. So I'm like, it was Martha and... Kathy and Michelle. Everybody. And Elaine. So I got to meet Harker and Elaine and everybody. And then you just go, okay, this is a stacked, amazing team. And it made it so much fun because it just felt like... You didn't feel like you're working for. felt like you're working with. Right. And you guys did a wonderful job of setting that standard. And some of the best memories of all time because of that. And it, it puts you in a position when you do that with a, you know, any vendor or, or, or any company working with vendors and partnerships and strategic alliances, it puts that person in a, a position of confidence to do what they've been designed to do really, really well. And I would just say that you sent that standard and wrote the book in such a great job of, of it um, not only being implemented, everything else disappeared and I could focus on the guest at hand, making a fun day, and um, providing, creating an experience. And that's to me what's really important. The second part I would say that was a really great job on your part was with your retirement taking place, your fruit is growing on everybody's tree. Your downline of who you've implemented these, these strategies and the book of Martha in terms of how that gets executed and all that. I mean, that's the true test of a legacy for me is you get to see what you've planted being exemplified through everybody else. So. That was really incredible. And as you talk about relational equity, I want to—I do want to touch on integrity. Like I look at, you know, I look at people inside of an organization. It's still a brand within a brand. You have like your name, who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Is there anything that you could speak to for those that are watching? Like your go-to's as how important your integrity is what your reputation stands for, the ripple effects of it. The decisions you make today will ripple into 20 years from now. That's correct. And one thing that I would say is, to that point, you might be working with somebody now, and through a reorg or through industry change, they could get re-navigated to a whole nother deal and you meet them again in 10 years. So it's good to make sure that you either put a great bow on it or build a bridge for something in the future. But how did you navigate what you might call a game of chess in the corporate world of shoring up your integrity and shoring up your reputation, keeping that intact for 50 strong years? How, how, does, a, how does a leader do that? I, you're right. My word is my word. And you know, whenever I would be changed over to a new boss and they would, of course, you know, you have that first time meeting and you talking and they knew about me, they had heard about me and, and stuff, but I would always tell them, you don't ever have to worry about being embarrassed by me. You don't ever have to worry about me dropping the ball. I'm human, but you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. If I make a mistake, I own it. Yeah. I will say something to you. I did it, I'll take the responsibility mm -hmm. and whatever the punishment is, I'll take it but watch it, okay? 
But, and, and, and they would look at me and I said, you will never ever, because I don't want to be embarrassed. Mm. I do not want to drop the ball. Yeah. I don't want to let myself down. Yeah. So I'm not going to let you down. The other thing is, is that the people that you have working for me, you mentioned Michelle and Elaine and Kathy. You're right. Those three ladies, and there are others, Sonia and the others that I worked with, they're amazing. Mm. Okay, women, amazing. They say to me that they thank me for all the things that I've done for them, that if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't be. But if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be. For sure. And I learned something from all of them. Michelle is smart as a whip. Kathy is smart. That damn Elaine. <laughs> that woman, she is so good. And Elaine and I would have our little arguments mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that girl was good. Yeah. She was smart. And all three of them were. That helped me. But you know what? You got to let them do their thing. I'm not a micromanager. I want to make things easy for them. So I would try to make things easy for them so they could do what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. And that's important. If you don't let the people that work for you do what they do best, what do you need them for? Totally. You can't do it. Yep. You think you can, but yep. you can't do it. That's right. You need to have help. Mm -hmm. You need to do it. So I let them do their job. I let them do what they had to do. Yep. And I am creating other stuff for us to do. And I know sometimes we did events. He let me said, Martha, we can't do that. It's like, yeah, we can, we can do it. Mm -hmm. And she goes, we can't, yeah, we can. We put our heads together and we did it. That's right. Okay. We work hard. Mm -hmm. And as long as they were there, I was there. Yeah. There were some occasions when I had to leave them, but if I'd never asked them to do anything that I wouldn't do. We were there to late at night or had to be there early in the morning. I was right there. Mm -hmm. So they knew that, I, that they could depend on me. Mm -hmm. Being lazy has never been one of my issues. It's never been one of my problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it is definitely not one of their problems. That's either. right. So that's important. So when I would do something for one of our VPs or SVP, they would see me coming in. They would go, it's, everything is fine. Martha's here. She'll take care of it. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I didn't care that they said that. I liked that because they trust me. Yeah. And they knew that I could do the job. If I couldn't do it, Noah, I told them I can't do it. If I didn't know something, let me get back to you. I didn't say no. I would say, let me get back to yes. you. Yep. And then I would go do it. And then the other thing is, is that you got to let people give their opinion. Their opinions about things. Yeah. And we would have, it would be in a situation where we'd have someone brand new coming in. Okay. And they would... <laughs> Think of all these things that we should do. In some cases, many of them were things that we've done already. Mm. And then in some cases, there were things that I knew immediately that we wouldn't have been able to do it. But to say to them at that very time, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. That makes me look like the negative person, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. I'd say, okay. And I'd go and come back. And when I come back to them, I said, I thought about what you said. And this is for how we're going to do it. And yeah. when we're going to do it. Yeah. And then we would spread it out. We'd lay everything out and let them know exactly how we were going to do it. And whether I agreed with them or not, I laid every, we laid everything out yeah. so they could see exactly what it is that we were going to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. When, I'm going to use you as an example. Uh-oh. This is a good one or a bad one? We, uh, 
Noah used to always come in and have his and have his music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, you would always have he would always play his music. We had music that was playing in the store anyway. I'd be playing my Glenn Miller. And and Noah would be playing his music. And it's like, Martha, Noah brought his 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 recorder in and he's playing his music and stuff and it's like okay I'll take care of it so I have to go over and talk to Noah and mm-hmm. ask him mm-hmm. not to play his music and yep. he would turn it off and then I would go away dude I'm having PTSD just listening to this <laughs> then Noah would turn his music back on and they'd come and get me and then this time I didn't go over there I just stood at the back of the room and just looked at him yep and that was and it and he turned yeah, it yeah look over there turn it back down <laughs> and, and turn it back down but what I didn't do, I didn't humiliate you. I didn't mm. embarrass you. I didn't. No. I, I didn't. I really didn't talk about you. I just asked you. It's simple. And your music is good music. I love that music. You know. But we had rules that we totally. had to go by. Totally. And that's what we. And that's what we did. Absolutely. A lot of times, people would come in to do book signings and to do other signings, and they would want us to go by their rules. Many of them did their book signings at the La Mama mama and papa bookstores and Uh locations uh this is not a mama and papa (laughs) bookstore or location no it's not this is huge we're huge okay Uh and so i would say to remember when um the jonas brothers came in to do a signing for us and their person wanted us to do it their way and i told them no i said you we have we have a process and i said and believe me you'll be very happy with yeah, it. that's right. And at the end of the event, I walked over to him and I said, what do you think? He goes, you're good. I said, thank you. That's right. Thank you. That's right. Um, so let's move on a little bit into conflict. How do you, how do you handle, how do you navigate conflict? Because you're, you're, you're dealing with it on the daily. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of avoiding conflict. It is a part of the business. I'm not, I, conflict is not an issue for me. I didn't deal with it. But remember, as I said before, I'm not a yeller. And again, you don't disrespect people. Mm-hmm. So you have guests that would get upset. You have some, I had, we had great guests. We really did. But you got that 10% that no matter what you do, you're not going to make them happy. And yep. you try to make them happy and you have to talk to them. You don't disrespect them. You talk to them. And if you do something wrong, you tell them that you've done something wrong because they'll come back and bite you in the butt in a minute and make totally. you look horrible. Yeah. And so I didn't do that. Yeah. So when I had a guest that had a big issue, I had this one guest. She was complaining. And finally, I just told her, I said, okay, stop complaining. Stop. I don't know. Some of the things that I said to the guests, I don't know how I got away with it, but I did. And and they didn't get upset or go report me or anything. But I was just tell her, I told her, I said, stop talking. And so she looked at me. I said, we're not here to make you unhappy. We're here to make you happy. And if you're that unhappy, then I'm going to give you back your money and give you back your money for your admission to get into the park. And I said, and we'll escort you out because I don't want you to be unhappy. But I will take your merchandise away from you because I'm going to refund that also. Mm-hmm. Well, they wanted their merchandise. Oh, sure. So she said, no, I don't want to do that. I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to clear your mind completely, all right? I want you to go into the store, 
and I want you to enjoy yourself. Think of something pleasant that you've done so you can embrace your mind yeah. of all of your negative yeah, feelings totally. and everything. Yeah. But I want you to go in there and enjoy yourself. Afterwards, I'm going to meet you right here. And I want you to tell me how you feel and what you think. She went in. Of course. She came back out. I said, well, she goes, I had the best time. I said, mm-hmm. That's best. what we want. Yep. We don't That's want right. you to be unhappy. She goes, thank you, Martha. I'll come back again. I said, please do. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that all of my issues ended that way. I had some that didn't, mm. but I still, I still respected them. And if they, you know what? The ones that didn't end that way, they wanted to talk to my boss. Not a problem. She's standing right over there, the blonde, the tall blonde. And I said, and my last name is B-L-A-N-D-I-N-G. Just spell my name right. That's right. And you're more than welcome to go with that. <laughs> so that's on, that's on stage. What about backstage? How do you handle conflict? Of Like most are trying to win the game of life. I need to get what I want to get. I need to be able to have what I want to be able to have. I need to upgrade myself and promote myself and get, 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 right? I think there... I believe there's two forms of relationships, transactional and transformational. You're either transforming people or you're transacting from them. You're just like taking, uh, Stephen Covey calls it, withdrawing out of their emotional bank account or you're depositing, right? So here you are 50 years at one of the greatest companies that is dealing with change every day, people every day, um, vision every day. Everything's moving around all the time. How do you navigate conflict and not take yourself out of the game? First of all, you know, when we had changes in the in, in backstage or layoffs or whatever you want to call them, the thing is, is that there are certain things that are out of your hand and you can't worry about it. And those things that are out of your hand, you don't worry about mm, it. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it, okay? It's totally out of your hands. Things that are in your hand, that's what you worry about. So I had a lot of cast members that I mentored and that looked up to me. Mm. And they would come and talk to me. And I said, come and talk to me about your problems. I can't go fight your battle, but I can direct you or direct you to someone else that can help you. Yeah. And they liked that. And they would ask questions. And also... A lot of people, you know, special events, and everyone thinks, oh, I want to go in special events. That's what I want to do because they think it's so much fun because they see the end part. Okay? Yeah, they see the highlight reel. They don't right. see the behind the scenes. They don't see the, they don't see the work that you have to do mm-hmm. in the conversations that you... When I did a big event, I talked to everybody on all levels. I have talked to, like a Bob Iger, all the way down to maintenance and don't disrespect, I'm not disrespecting maintenance, but it was that level oh, yeah. that you talked to. For sure. I talked to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I had to talk to Bob Iger because for our 50th anniversary, Diane Disney and her family came in and they all came in for the 50th anniversary. And so they wanted to do like a family reunion where someone had to pay for it. So I had to call Bob Iger's office. He paid for it. Okay. Mm. So that and I had totally. to present, yes. And the only scary part of was, was when I had to call him back and tell him how much it's going to cost him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was okay. It was fine. Cool. But, but I talked to everybody, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. So you have people that come in and they want to be in special events. And I'm listening to them and they're talking. And you're not holding their attention. 
when I'm telling them about special events. You can see it in their face. You can read them. I'm a good person reader. Mm. And I have done things, said things like, you know what, Noah? This is not the area that you want to go into. Mm -hmm. You need to go yeah. into another area. You need to reach out to other areas yeah. and kind of do a little networking and do a little talking. Especially Vince, it's not your area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to hurt at your feelings, but kind of, you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time, yeah. okay? So I did say that to one young lady and she went and did something else. She's excellent in that area. But that's what people need. That's what people need to hear. Honesty. Is a mentor that's willing to be honest with you. Honesty. You need to be honest. And then again, if you have a problem, you do something wrong, and then want to come and talk to him, you got to tell him you were wrong. Okay? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. This is what you should have done. Mm -hmm. And I always, I would tell them, don't come in here with a problem and tell me you didn't do it, and I find out that you did, because you know I'm gonna find out if you did, if you didn't. Okay? Don't do that. Be honest with yourself, because if you're honest. I'm going to forgive you, okay? That other person's going to forgive you. Yeah. And then they'll they'll send you totally. on to do your, to do what you need to do. You'll do it. Well, let's let's look at um, this whole idea of, you know, leadership and navigating conflict and looking at the bigger picture of what you can contribute versus what you can take, right? What how would you define emotional intelligence? people that have agency, people that have grown up and take ownership. And what are some of the character traits of a great leader and the definition of emotional intelligence of navigating all of that on a daily basis? You see it, you've seen the people that stay, the people that go. And people that get better. I think, I. I think, okay, I think a good leader, I think it's someone that, you know, a lot of times it's either you do it my way or you don't, or you do it at all. And I don't think that's right. And I don't do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think that, that a good leader is someone that listens to what their workers are saying. Okay. And others around them are mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. They're not going in and making a rash decision on something because yeah. I'm the leader. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm here for the first. This I just started. I'm the one. I'm going to come in here and I'm just going to change everything. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You don't know what you're changing. You could yeah. change something. Or you don't know us. You don't know us. And there are a lot. Sometimes, you know, there are people that come in from the outside and they're good in what they do, but they don't know the Disney way. Now, I'm not saying that is bad but i just feel that when you're coming in from the outside learn the disney way and then put what you know mm -hmm. together with the disney way and you may have some new changes to make after you look at everything and put it together and that's okay but don't come in here and just wipe everything yeah, out guns blazing right you don't know anything i have someone to come in they didn't know what the electrical parade was it's like really <laughs> okay <laughs> Describe that. What is the Disney way? What are the what are the traits of the Disney way? You know what? It reminds me of a story that we did this panel discussion. <laughs> we did this panel discussion, and um, I was the moderator for it. And 
they were asking questions. And then we gave the audience an opportunity to ask the question. And then my sister came to this panel discussion. With, and so she's sitting in the audience. And we were talking about the Disney way. And so she raised her hand and she asked exactly what you're asking. What is the Disney way? And I looked at her and I said to the audience, I said, in case you guys didn't, that's my sister that just asked this question. And they started laughing. And I said, I can't tell you because if I do, I have to kill you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. How would you say are the character traits of it though? What are the, what are the byproducts of the Disney way? What do people experience? It's okay. Learning the history of the park, learning the history of the company, learning about the characters that are in the and what they play and how it interacts with mm -hmm. everything within mm -hmm. the company, mm -hmm. learning who the people were that came up with all these different ideas about doing different things, learning how being one of the things that that Walt Disney wanted his cast members to do is to be, be polite. When people come into Disneyland, he wanted them to forget about the outside, forget that siren that you hear out there and all those other things that you hear on the outside. That's the reason why the park is built the way it is, mm -hmm. is so that you can't hear the outside. Mm. So you bring, you're coming in and you're coming in to have a good time, to enjoy yourself, to be happy. He, did, he, he created that park because he didn't feel that his daughters had some place where they could go totally. and enjoy themselves yeah. and really have a good time, you know? Yeah. Um, Keep going. Um, he wanted, and, and he wanted us to feel the same way. But with that, we even added more things and made more changes also. And no, I can't tell you too much because if I do, then I have to kill you, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, look at it this way. You've had the park that's been around forever that uh, when, I, when I observed it from a young boy going there, I started going there at one year old, 71. And I walked down Main Street constantly not ever thinking I was gonna do something with the company. My grandparents living down the street about two miles away. So I would, I'd spend my summer nights swimming and then crawling up on the roof and watching fireworks at 9.20, 9.25 every night. And then to later be walking down the street going, man, this is, this place is unbelievable. It was amazing. Back then, it was still tickets, like per right, ride. Right. And then it moved to, you could go in under one, one little price. And I remember when it first came out, that was really awesome. But as you look around, you just go, here's a, here's a man that had a vision to say, I'm going to create a place where the dad is a king, the mom is a queen, and the kids are prince and princesses. And when does mom feel like a queen? When the kids are happy. Right. And dad's happy when the family's happy, right? But then to not only create that place, but take what you would normally watch on Wonderful World of Disney to then be able to go shake a hand of a character in that park. I just observed that, and I felt this young. This guy built a piece of art that you get to walk into. I can go to a museum and walk in and look at art. The parks is one big giant installation. Then you take cast members as a layer of like a part of that art, like literally, like the experience of special events, artists, layers, silhouettes being cut out, the Bob on Main Street, like all of that layering creates one big giant piece of art. Mm -hmm. 
that way, so-called way, I think just trickles down through every single layer and creates this big, beautiful thing that most other companies try to recreate, but I just don't think it can be replicated. Everybody wants to create an experience, but the Disney way is over and above and far beyond because of how much history and how much layering, but it started with those values of like how you treat a guest and how special you make somebody. And that's exactly the way we want that guest to feel, exactly what you said. We want them to feel happy. We want them to enjoy themselves. Yeah. We want them to come back. Yeah. And they do. And that's why we have so many dedicated Disney collectors mm. because they do feel like it's theirs. Uh, totally. They feel like it's totally theirs. And you have a, many of them who think that they know more than we do. Yeah. And <laughs> in a situation like that, I'm not going to argue with them about right. it. You, you look know? at the bigger picture. Exactly. And they're, and they're very proud. And I'm glad. And I'm happy for them. And I'm proud of them. Yeah. That they are proud. And that they want to spend so much time, not because of money, but that they want to spend so much time because they enjoy themselves. Totally. And the, one, the, one, the thing that I loved, I love creating magic and I enjoyed making people happy mm -hmm. and there are many I did several engagements people who wanted to get engaged there mm. setting things up for them I did many of those I was happy to do them and made them very happy to ask their girlfriend to marry them mm -hmm. it was you know they're beautiful awesome. beautiful occasions yeah. and stuff so it's it's I, Martha, enjoyed working for Disneyland. And I felt that I had a reason for being there. And I also felt that I fulfilled that reason for being there. And I do it all over again. Mm. So a uh, couple last questions and then you get an opportunity to ask me any questions if you want. You may have to worry a little bit. What's that? Uh, that's fine. That's fine. What, um, as we wrap up, what do you think takes out a leader? What, what, what? Takes out a leader. You know, I think a leader, what takes out a leader is you don't listen. You're not there. Um, you don't, everything you say is negative because it's either the way I want it done uh -huh. or not done at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, and I, I think that, and, and being disrespectful, because you have some that are very disrespectful, yeah. and the yelling and the screaming has got to go. Yeah. And there are many that do that. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> going back to your team, Michelle, Elaine, the whole crew, right? Kathy, I've adopted over the last decade and a half that if you hire world-class people that don't require being disciplined and give them the autonomy, they'll produce world-class results. There is, but okay, you got to be honest. There are some issues that sometimes you do have to discipline, mm -hmm. but it's the way that you discipline totally. them. The okay? bedtime manner. Exactly. I don't believe in, if we, I've always told the cast members, if you make a mistake on stage, I'll back you 100%. And then we'll go backstage and have a conversation. Totally. I never criticize them right in front, in of, front of the yeah, guests. Yeah, for sure. We take care of the guests. Yeah. I'm not saying that we don't yeah. take care of the guests. We do. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll go talk later on. I love it. And, and our conversation is a talk. It's not a yelling thing. And they know if they made a mistake or not. Well, I'll wrap it up with 
one, one last question for you, then you can ask me whatever. Um, <clears throat> that is that is loaded. Like I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what is what are just some quick little nugget takeaways of your favorite memories where you actually stood there and went, I can't believe I'm here right now that I get to be a part of this or be with this person or like just what were those standout moments that were just cher- that you cherish that were just so, so special? It's a lot of stuff. Any of that come to mind? Just kind of first thoughts that hit. No in particular order of importance, but more of just that stand out to you, that mean a lot to you. I think the most important things are the people that I worked with. Mm-hmm. I think um, I feel very honored and, and, and very blessed that I had the, the team that I had to work with. Yeah. Michelle and Elaine and Kathy and Sonia. And then my other partners that I work with, Suzanne, uh, Kristen, um, Andrea, Andrea, and then my leaders. Uh, uh, my leaders that I, when I left, was Chris Shepard and Clark Jones. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And Amazing. Great respect for mm-hmm. them. Totally. And then some that have, have gone away, Mary Murray and Tony Garrison. Amazing. And I, they never questioned me. They let me do what I wanted to do. Yeah. They never said no. They might have looked at me funny, but I gave them the eye and they went on about their business. But they, that was a great moment for me. Um, the 50th anniversary when we put that together and we got criticized by the guests very heavily. And they didn't think that we were going to make that event a memorable event. And they wrote letters to Bob Iger and I had to... I, I had to answer 10 questions in front of the president of Disneyland and um, Greg Emmer. And I answered all the questions and he goes, what are they worried about, Martha? And I said, it's because they think they know more than we did. But we went from the back of that event to put things in to make sure that they had a good time. Mm. The the, uh, proud moment was, is that when we had our big entertainment and usually our VP would get up on stage to talk. And I said, Marianne, you need to go up and talk. She goes, no, I want you to do it. And I said, no, Marianne, you need to do it. So she had me to do it. And when I got up on the stage, I got a standing ovation from everybody. And That's the a thing, moment. It, yes. And the thing is, is that that ovation was not just for me. And I told him, and I started naming the other people that worked on the event. And when I got off stage, they couldn't believe that I mentioned everybody's name. Because it's not just me. No, for sure. I didn't do this by myself. Yeah. It takes a, it takes a tribe whole and bunch of people to do yeah. this, okay? Yeah. That was um, very good. And then making the magic for people and, and like making the surprise them happy. And delight? Like the surprise and delight. It yeah. was very happy. But one of, the, one of the things that I will never forget is that I did an event in the China Closet. And there was this family that came into the China closet and the the boy was in a wheelchair mm. and he was immobile. He did, wasn't talking or anything. Mm. And he, I had on a rhinestone Mickey Mouse pin on a navy blue suit. Beautiful. And so it really mm-hmm. shined. And they were coming around the register, coming around the merchandise. When he got 
to where he could see the pen, he looked up at me and he said, Mickey Mouse. And his mother stopped and she said, he hasn't said anything in a year. And I said, you're kidding me. She goes, no. Everybody in the whole store was crying, yeah. okay? And, and that's... Those are moments. That's a moment, yeah. Mm. That's a moment. So, and then they, they left the store, but they had a good time. You well, know. your your retirement alone event of the guests that came on and watching you just get wave after wave of love and gratitude and you know the fruit of your life of rippling through all these people that you affected and touched and our family included and I'll never forget the first time coming to candlelight and we got the kids on our arms and everything and you you have and still do have treated us like family. And watching that take place was like, like those are memories like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> but then your sister and the rest of the team and all that, it was like, hey, we're all in this and we're all doing this together. And that was just such a, an amazing privilege to watch your retirement event. I would, that was an event. It wasn't like a Zoom, it was an event, right? Yeah. Right? And then when Julie came on, Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins comes popping in. It's like, oh, this is not a recording. This is a real deal. Yeah. Like that was just, that goes back. Yeah. That Michelle Harker, she's amazing. I, Julie Andrews and um, um, The Rock. Yeah, The Rock and Robert Irvine. Mm -hmm. and it's insane. It was just unbelievable. It was I feel very honored, and the thing is, is that they all had to take time out of their schedule to do this, mm. and and you just said it. I did say they did this for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so now I'm gonna give you the mic if there's any questions that you have, if or I do this on every show. Do you really? Mm -hmm. People can ask me whatever they want, if there's anything they want to know. Otherwise, we can just put a bow on it, but mm -hmm. it's up to you. Mm -hmm. I'm so, nervous. Noah. Yes, ma'am. I've known you for a long time. Mm. And I know the history of your life. Yeah. You've shared it with me. And from your beginnings. Mm -hmm. And um, to where you are right now and the trials and tribulations that you went through when you were young. Yeah. And when you think about that, and you look at yourself now, mm. and you have two gorgeous kids. Mm -hmm. You have a beautiful wife who's yeah. wonderful. Well, she thinks she can cook a bit of carrot cake for me, but. <laughs> That's another show. <laughs> That's another show. That's right. What, 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 how do you feel about where you were and where you are? Well, it's crazy because you've been a big part of it. Like it's, I consider you mother, friend, Mentor, you don't ever have to worry about you being honest. Like you'll to shoot me straight and you have a few times and it made me better. God put people in my life. First of all, it's my relationship with the Lord. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't have Chantel. I think the key thing for me was even though my dad at nine going away, my mom doing her thing and then being like, good luck. The Lord sent people into my life my surrogate fathers, mentors, um, to kind of look out for me. 
in a, in a crazy way, my Disney relationship started with, with Deanne Hill. And Deanne, when, that's how when I started working with you, it was bizarre because I went, Lord, I know we're doing this special, like, I'm a vendor, we're doing these events. Like, this is, first of all, that's supernatural in of itself. But then there was this added bonus layer of people that really, truly, genuinely didn't just care for our well being as a company, as a brand, like an artist, or we do special events together. They cared about us as people. Like genuinely, like it, uh, I'd walk in, so we got to do this. You're like, hey, how's Chantel? How are the kids? Like it was always that first. And I'm like, this is amazing. God has always continued to know what I need for my assignment. And there's that saying, he will give you the provision in your assignment. And the provision for us wasn't just financial and all that opportunity. It was people, the right people in our lives. And so when the Lord sent us you know, when I had to get out of my way of myself in my 20s, Disney didn't come until a, a big part of that work had been done. I knew I had dreamt of doing amazing things in life and wanting to help people. I knew I wanted to have a company that was going to bless people with the outcomes, ministries, charities, all of that. And that's easy to aspire to, but you don't know how you're going to get there. But then I realized that in order for that to happen, I had a lot of work to get done in me. And so you finally let go of the dream. You finally let go of your own selfish ambition and agenda. You finally let go of ego. Get to the end of your rope. It was right there when everything came in. But it made me appreciate everything and it scared me straight. So it'd be really easy to be here 18 years later and go, man, I'm glad I didn't screw it up. But every day, it's still on point. A good fear. A good fear of the Lord has elevated you to certain opportunities. Don't screw it up. And that's why I've created this podcast. I'm like, keep people from themselves. Keep from screwing up. Keep God as your number one client. And then your spouse, your number one client on earth. And your kids. Can't go wrong. That's my short answer. That was real short. <laughs> We all should. <laughs> any, any, any more? <laughs> You've been around me for a long time. Mm. So what have you learned from me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that. Um, <clears throat> first of all, walking into your office, and I'd always hit Linda's office because she had the red vines. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, you... You have a really beautiful balance of super intense, like, hey, hey, like coach, like, hey, like get your attention to all of us. But then you'd play just as hard. It was so beautiful. So the influence was like intoxicating. It was like, how can this person be so about getting things done in excellence to a pain point in a good way? Like we're on our game. And I love, I don't know if you know, Blood So Barbecue, like, Oh, do we? Yeah. I'm taking that quote that he's got all the time. Get your game right and get your game tight. You were always that for me. So I literally, still to this day, I have, you know, just had an event and I'd be in pre-game mode. I'm like, get your game right, get your game tight. And it's like your DNA and your spirit lives in me of, you know, and I'm dealing with Elaine now. And it's the same thing. But I'm like, how do I make Elaine? This is what, this is what you taught Lefty and me. And this is like a masterclass. 
Greatest thing you can do for any organization or strategic partnership, get in, create value, and get the heck out. To where it's like, what just happened? That was amazing. Bring them back. You create drama, you create, I need this, I need that. I'm like, hey, hey, play the long game. You taught me to see the bigger picture. And I remember specifically a couple events where we had people going at it at the event. And I'm like, oh, this will be really interesting. And you were like, you looked them straight in the eye. You disarmed the bomb. And you said, you're more than willing to go talk to my mom. I mean, I was there on a couple of those occasions. You taught me to not get any emotional about things. And most, I believe, creatives that are, creatives are sensitive people. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? No, mm, oh boy. <laughs> but with that creativity comes a sensitivity. And that sensitivity can get the best of people. And you, Andy, and a lot of the folks there helped me to start to look at things non-personal. And it changed my life. It was one of the greatest master classes of all time. And it was like a, a stopping and an understanding of saying, and you did it on one event specifically. And it was kind of like one of those, you know, coming in with ideas and what it would look like. And, and you in a lovingly way said, no, I get it. It's cool. But we've been doing this a while. I know exactly what we're going to do. And I'm like, cool. I wanted to play the game as long as possible. I wanted, meaning I wanted to stay in the game. Like call me in coach. I want to keep playing. I love doing what we're doing. But I realized that my shelf life would be really, really short if I was emotional or, or overly sensitive about anything. So my favorite thing was we, the leadership I learned from you was um, we got a job to do. And there's a lot of things that we have to do that we don't feel like doing. Don't get emotional about it and don't let it show. And like you said, pick your battles. At the end of the day, look at the bigger picture. And I've never seen, this is one thing that I also learned is I've never seen there being any remorse or regret over over delivering. Well, they want this, they want this. Fine, give it to them. Like, here's all, here's all your money back and let's do this. And then let's give you more love. And then we're going to bless you one more time. Take care. Hope you had an amazing day. Like, there's no, I've never seen any, never, any leader ever regret that. But it's when you try to go toe to toe overly offended. You just taught me now how to not get offended and emotional about those things. That taught me a lot. The other thing was, um, there's an awareness of what's going on in a room that you gave me a, a good sensitivity to. You're not the only thing happening in the room. Example, you talked about the maintenance thing, right? One of my favorite things to do at Disney Anna is when I sign. And it sounds super cheesy, but one of my favorite things to do at Disney Anna when I sign is I don't use the bathroom outside, right outside the door there on the left. Mm -hmm. I go up to the old switchboards because mm -hmm. I love the smell mm -hmm. and I love how old it is. And I'm like, I'm back in time, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people backstage. There's people in every place that you walk. There's maintenance, there's whatever. And it's a sensitivity and awareness to be like, if I were to sum it up, and I know this sounds kind of cheesy, but the relationship we have, we can banter, is you kind of in a lovingly way say, saying constantly reminding me, you ain't all that. <laughs> <laughs> so because you're not all that, look at who's around you. Because that person helps make this event happen. That person at the cash register helps make this thing happen. There's nobody below you. Nobody. 
Recognize every person that's around. Make eye contact with them. Say, hey, what's up? Because they're all going through it. And just because you're an artist or whatever doesn't mean anything. And so you taught me how to be, you continue to teach me how to be, I don't, I don't want to say humble because it sounds like I'm being false humility, but you gave me a self-awareness. That's the best way to put it. You get, and I think you did for a lot of people. It ain't about you is probably one of the best mantras you could ever teach other leaders. It ain't about you. You're here to contribute. You're here to put, I love this saying, may you live such a life that when you're in the presence of another person, that there isn't a dismantling of their ship, there is wind in their sail. And you would always in loving kindness, tell me what I need to hear, hold me while I cry, but send me out with wind in my sail. I'm like, that's a great sign of leadership. That's what I've learned from you. We done? Or do you want one more? You told me I had three, right? You got three, you got a third. Your wish is my command. Okay. What was your most favorite thing that you did at Disneyland? Doesn't have to necessarily be with me, but what was your most favorite? Mm. That's a multi-part answer because part of it does have to do with you. Okay, good answer. Yeah, so we'll start with that one. <laughs> um, being invited to Candlelight might be one of the biggest honors of any vendor. That invitation says so much. Like, and that's like, I you know, every time it comes in, I look at Chantel, I go, babe, candlelight. And she's just like, awesome. Like it's, that's sacred. Like literally, <laughs> you know, it's a, that's sacred. That never gets old. That's, that's a, that's kind of like the Lord saying, I see you. And I see you through the, the people that are working around that recognize it and make sure you keep it not all about you, mm -hmm. right? And so that's a way that makes me sit there and I'm in tears every time just going, Lord, how in the world do you have a knucklehead like me standing on Main Street at Candlelight representing one of Walt's vendors? I get to do this by invitation. There's nothing I did to get this. Like you didn't ever plan to work at Disneyland. I never walked down and going, I got to work here. I hope I, I, it wasn't even on my radar. Mm -hmm. And I got an invitation. Hey, what about, I heard about, and when God gives you an invitation and calls you into the game and you didn't do anything to self-promote it, it is terrifying. I'm like, I get to do this? So candlelight for me is just one of those constant annual reminders that, Lord, this is so fragile, it could go away at any given time. Mm -hmm. And I hold it loosely, but I cherish it. I savor it. And like when, you know, so that's a moment. Then there's George. George Calagridis. Here he is, president of Disneyland. And through you and through him, some extraordinary opportunities come into place. I had an opportunity to sit with him and city officials and the mayor and everybody and again, I'm in that room going, why am I here? What am I doing here? And then I get the opportunity to partner with him on Chalk Hospital and doing marketing for the children's new ward that was going up to help represent Disney. And Disney artists, you know, I'm like, what am I doing here? And then George goes, hey, 
grab Chantel and the kids. We're going to go have a tour of the roundhouse and get on the train and let the kids ride the tender. And like, who are you talking to somebody behind me? Like, who are you talking to? Like those moments are like, then walking out of the club at club 33 at one 30 in the morning, you know, Chantel and I by ourselves because of another invitation opportunity to just the entire park is empty. Mm-hmm. Going with Deanne and, and the, the entire park being shut down and going in to shoot reference for my paintings for Pirates of the Caribbean and the whole ride being shut down and be able to walk through the park mm-hmm. or through it and get what I need then to do that at Mansion. Like, what am I doing here? Um, people that I don't understand why God has me in their presence and being able to give vision and strategy and Scott, you're wonderful. Lisa on DCA projects, like being invited to do things, the launch of World of Color and, and you on Pirates and all of these things. And I'm like going, what am I doing here? And like, all right, do your job and get the heck out, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to <laughs> screw it up. So I've got, I've got plenty, but you know, I would probably say the heyday of Sonia and you and, and Holly and opening up D Street and the vault and Wonderground and, and innovation and new ideas. And I mean, I was at Wonderground every month and that was just a season. It's a new season now, which is a totally incredible new season, but those kind of seasons are incredible. And I think probably what I'm now experiencing, what you're, you've experienced is you taught me how to pay attention to the families that are growing up in front of you. There are kids that were in strollers or in a mom's belly that are now standing and graduating high school at a signing. Mm-hmm. And don't miss out on that. You get to grow up with families. Mm-hmm. And so to watch like you have with us, like we just showed pictures of Griff, you know, being a little kid, pay attention to the journey. Because right. it's so easy to get to the end or to arrive or get to a certain point and then go, I didn't savor the process. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Short answer. Another short one. <laughs> Anything else as we close out or that, that you would like to like just closing remarks to our listeners and viewers? Anything that looking back, would you do it differently? Anything that you would change? Nope. I think I think the thing to close it out would be one, one thing that you said, and that was I felt like I was doing a hobby. You weren't really working. You loved it. I did. So how did you make that something you love? I, you know, I always tell people when you, when you get a job or go into a, a new category, you make it so that you're happy. I mean, you can leave it like this and feel, I hate this. I don't want to do it. I want to do something else. And you make yourself miserable. Don't make yourself miserable. You want to enjoy what you're doing. So do it so that you fix it so that you enjoy what you're doing. Mm. And that's what I did. I mm. always adjusted things to suit me in my office to make me happy. But I got my work done. And you right. I worked real hard. I, and when I retired, my friends and my family made me retire. And at first I said, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to work forever. And then I decided one day. It's time. Really? It's time. Was that hard for you? It was, it was a friend of mine when she retired, I asked her, I said, Lois, 
when will I know when I'm ready to retire? She said, you'll know. She says, you'll know and you'll do it. So I said, okay. And so one day I called my sister and I said to her, I think I'm going to retire. And she was like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm ready to retire. I mean, that's a big move. Yes, it is. And then I had to go in and tell my boss and I didn't really want to do that. And I told him, I said, I'm going to retire. And he was like, what? That's right. Yeah. Well, so, he's like, in 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and he said, you can work for me anytime you want to. And I said, I appreciate that. But I think it's time for me to let the young ones step in. And what's, ne what's next for you? This is, I think it's important for everybody to hear. What is next? Well, I'm writing a book. And it will be released sometime next year. Do you have a title and or can you disclose the title? It's, it's the story about my life, about my my years at Disneyland. And just a minute. I can't believe this. I just have so much going on. Yeah. It is Are you ready? I'm ready. Groundbreaking magic, a black woman's journey through the happiest place on earth. Well done. You started that how long ago? Oh. We've talked about it for years and people are encouraging me to write a book, write a book, write a book. But yeah. I didn't start writing the book actually writing it until I was getting ready to retire. Yeah. So it took about a year and a half, yep. almost two years. Totally. So, and and I'm not a writer, so I have a ghostwriter that's mm -hmm. helping me with it. Yeah. And, um, and what's great about it is that we've known each other for years and years and worked with each other. So it was just the right mix. Yep. Partnership. Perfect. You know? Yep. So, yes. I'm, well, now hearing that I'm in it, I'm concerned in a good way. I'm like, which, which example and for what? I'm like, what to do or what not to do? <laughs> or is it just a good memory? I'm like so curious now. Oh yeah, I talked to Mary. Does Mary know? I guess you have to wait until the book comes out. Woo! Well, I'm so, so grateful for not only your friendship, your mentorship, your leadership, your example to me, but how this is also gonna bless others. You know, um, we're talking one of the greatest careers. Most careers are one to three years now for most people. But you did something very, very well for a very long time and uh, blessed a lot of people, including ourselves. So I'm just so grateful for your time today. It's awesome. Well, thank you for asking me to do this. I hope that I did help someone. I wish that I had someone like me when I first started working at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. That I could talk to that looked like me. I had other people that didn't and they helped, but it would have been nice to have someone that looked like me. Yeah. And so that's why I always try to help others. For sure. Too. And I still do. I still have people reaching out and wanting to, and wanting to talk. And it's a pleasure to talk to them. Well, I tell you, you know, most hesitate to share their story. But I just think 
our individual stories is the greatest asset we can use to help other people. And so your story of your journey is just a wonderful um, blessing. I know it's going to touch a ton of people. So my here's what, what I'm hoping is that you'll come back when the book's out. Let's do it again. Let's talk a little bit about the book, unpack that a little bit, show it to everybody and get the word out about it. So I'm excited for you. And so other than the book, anything else on your radar as we close out? I'm enjoying, enjoy, enjoying my family, enjoying doing things with friends that I couldn't do when I was working because yeah. I was working. Yeah. And just relaxing. Just, I'm retired. I'm enjoying myself. Totally. People ask me questions about Disneyland. I look at them and I go, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You spent enough time there. Hey, I'm retired. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just, I'm in... It's just the most important thing is just to be able to enjoy my family and friends. That's, no, that's really important. Well, and to yeah. do some traveling. You, there's the term when it comes to a person with their you know, leadership and all that, you have finished very well. You know, and um, those that, are, that worked with you are still living it out. And that's an mm -hmm. amazing deal. Uh, so thanks again for being out here. Appreciate you. Thank you, Noah, for inviting me. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I have. It's such a blessing and a great honor to have Martha here with us. Um, so you're going to check out the show notes down below. We're going to have some links to how you can check out Martha's book when it comes out. We'll make sure that that's posted there. Any questions that you have, leave a comment down below. Would love a share, subscribe, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for watching. We'll talk to you soon.